Well, it's a miracle. We've arrived at part eight in this Fanarosa series. We get to look at the gift of miracles. This will be a, uh, uh, an interesting one because look at this, miracles. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Okay. Hold up your hand if you're that person, because we just that'd be cool. Let's see this thing work. It is a uh, remarkable, loving thing that God has done in placing and in, in entrusting these manifestations of the Holy Spirit to His people, and we have an opportunity to look into it, look at it, see what. What does this do? What does this turn out looking like? Is this, is this something like a magician who can pull out just incredible feats like a rabbit out of a hat at just any time? He's just called on and, and a miracle appears. No, that's not exactly how this works. But miracles exist. God is busy bringing these things to his people and and he does this in in the church and the holy spirit is saying this is one of the manifestations so be ready for this one and we're going to take some time to get ready for this one let's start with miracle levels miracle levels and we're going to start out with number one and work our way down to number five. But number one, these are the big ones. These, these are the ones that happen as a result of, of God only. Definitely no question about it. We wouldn't exist. So these are things that, that are at that level. Creation. So this universe, this world, the, everything that's around it, us, wouldn't exist. That's a miracle. God made that happen, brought that out of out of the heavenlies, out of out of that infinite area there. He creates this physical reality that we know. Put that together. The cross, a significant thing it took took place there. The the penalty for our sins was paid there, and there's so much more in the cosmic expanse that took place as a result of that the same thing is true for the resurrection the son of god is there so we're we're putting this as, as serious that the son of god is on the cross and dies and that's just that by definition god does not die so he has to become human so that the human part of him can can die and accomplish the purposes. Resurrection, he comes back from the dead. He's also coming back, the second coming. That's huge. God will alter everything. There will be a destruction of the devil and dark powers. We've been waiting for that time. Go, man, if it, you know, when is justice going to be served? When, when will we, we be free of death? The suffering, the pain, all of that comes, just not yet. So when that happens, God's going to bring it. That's, that's miraculous. So it's, let's move to number two. We've got some 
pretty pretty big ones here, but they're dealing with things that exist within creation and have a different place. So we've got the Red Sea. So the people of Israel are brought out of Egypt. They take, they're at the edge of the Red Sea. The army, the Egyptian army is on their back, and God opens up the sea, and they walk across on dry land. That's a significant thing. That's a miraculous moment that unfolds right before a huge group of people. The plagues of Egypt fit into this as well. And let's go back over just just so we have a, a reminder of what God is doing and, and what is unfolding when he brings miracles or does these things with the, with the gifts, why we have these gifts. He is launching an... Uh, an incredible attack on his enemies, our enemies, the beings who are in rebellion, those dark forces that exist all around. And in Egypt, there are gods that were called upon who who ran different things, whether it's the the livelihood because of the Nile River that would flood and then the vegetation would grow and they had something to eat and that's coming and going. They had gods for life. They had gods for death. We've got gods that are covering every aspect of life and those are gods that exist, small g gods as we've discussed. So the plagues of Egypt, each plague was aimed at one or more gods, Egyptian gods, to prove that the Most High God is God, the one true God, and he overcame. So those ten plagues lead to their understanding of, wow, guess he was who he said he was, let's let these people go. And then, of course, Pharaoh has second thoughts. He's thinking, well, well no, I can't, I can't have that happen. I'm a God. Right? You remember that? That's kind of their thinking. So I'll just take my army and get them back. That didn't work out because the Red Sea opens up and who proves that he is God, the Most High God. So all of that. Red Sea plagues of Egypt raising the dead. The dead, remember the, the God that's the, the death thing in Egypt, there's pyramids. Death is a thing for them. And dealing with that is huge. So that final plague is death of the firstborn. So that, how selective is that? But it's all across Egypt. And God said, it's coming. It happened. And at that time, Pharaoh goes, that's it. You know, he has control over death. And we've, where do we turn? That's why they released him. But isn't it cool, like Jesus shows up later, and he raises Jairus' daughter, overcoming death. So there's examples of, in in the Hebrew Scriptures as well as in the New Testament, the power of God in raising someone from the dead, bringing them back. And because of our tendency to think miracles are just human, pointed at human things, and and for human benefit, human eyes, we stop there. But these are all slap in the face of the forces of darkness, and their powers, and 
He raises somebody from the dead, and you go, well, wait a minute, you can't do that. We're in control of that. Not so much. He proves that he is the Most High. And Jesus proved, I'm here. I am. And I just raised that kid, the widow's son, too. Just, And then Lazarus, right in front of everybody. That's after four days. They thought he would stinketh. He comes out, they let him out, and he, he just walks out all wrapped up, hopping to the front door, comes out. He raises the dead. There's victory over dark forces. All of those things are aimed, they're for our benefit, but they are also to prove to those other beings who have rebelled against God, who are set on our destruction, and God's saying, you don't have the grip on them that you think you do. And these miracles are a way of showing, I'm in charge. So, there's more to it. Well, that's the number two. So we got one, if, if those things didn't happen, uh, none of this would be here. We wouldn't be here. Two, God is, is proving himself to people and to other beings, divine beings. And, and that's angelic as well as, I mean, the angels are applauding. Remember at creation, we're told that the angels are just like, wow, look what you're doing, and they're singing what, all of, that he's putting together. Because there's all these beings that exist out there in the heavens who got to observe the physical creation. But there's the dark forces on the rebellious side that have created a bunch of our problems. And God is sending, sending help and countering that, and miracles are part of that. So number three, there are, in this created order, things like weather patterns that you can pretty much count on. For the most part, our weather here where we are comes from the west and goes to the east. Sometimes from the south, sometimes from the north, but pretty much always coming from west to east. And it's really creepy if you have the winds come out of the east and a tornado comes from that direction, which can happen on a, rarely, but it can happen. And you go, well, that's not good because it's not following the pattern. And if most of the things that... that Tornadoes that happen here that become big ones have been, they start down and around Oklahoma City in the center part of Oklahoma, and then they come up I-44 headed for Tulsa. Some of them, you know, headed for Joplin. I mean, these things are like, how can I just keep following the same old track? And those weather patterns just, they just do. They did in the Middle Middle East and Israel, the same, they knew that they had the, the first rains, the latter rains, they knew when things are going to happen. So when God says, you know what, I'm going to turn off the spigot. I'm going to stop the rain for three and a half years. And then, and he tells them, I'm going to stop the rain. See, that's the extra step here. Tells them, I'm going to stop the rain. Then, when it's time to start it, he says, no, I'm going to start it up again. How many people do you know? I mean, we have weather people who will tell us things like that, but they don't have any control over it. But God does, and he can stop it. And that's important when you're dealing with a God who is, for, during that time when, when Elijah was around, was Baal. And so Baal is the God sitting on top of a bull with a lightning bolt in his hands, if you've seen some of those images, because he controls the weather. Guess who controls the weather? And it is not Baal. Now, he, 
you know, the demon behind him can certainly do some little things, but he's not in control of the weather. I mean, ultimately, God is saying, go ahead, Baal, do whatever you want. Three and a half years, you can't do a thing. And the people are, you know. Anyway, it's a miraculous thing to control weather. That God control, can control weather, interfere with the things, that, the normal flow of things. There's protection. And God has done that over time, protected people supernaturally, miraculously. He protected the people of Israel. He protected them as they grew and became a nation. While, even while they're in Egypt, he protects them. When they leave Egypt, keeps them. Uh, even when they rebelled against him and were wandering through the desert, he's taking care of them, protecting them as they go into battle or whatever happens. He is. He's taking care of things like even their clothes. They, the, the clothes don't wear out. Their sandals don't wear out. Forty years worth of clo- clothing that they can... I don't know what they smelled like, but for 40 years, their clothes did not wear out. And he's providing their food. He's providing at times when the, there's like no water around, and he just brings it. He's, he's just taking care of them. Production, the, when things shouldn't be there, uh, uh, flour or oil, and God says, well, I'll just provide that. Jesus feeding 5,000 with a, a boy's lunch. And it just he can produce out of nothing or very little and and have an abundance. That's miraculous that he can pull those kind of things off. Teleportation. That's travel without uh, walking or without a, a car, and you don't even have to be beamed up by Scotty. This is teleportation that God works out and just moves somebody by the Spirit from one place to another. So he, he, he does that. And Jesus does it when he's resurrected. In his resurrected body, he just shows up in different places or walks through walls. And, but that's a resurrected body. So this is just, we're talking about this miracle is about somebody just in normal human form being able to be moved from place to place. And it happens. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Exorcism, that's getting rid of those evil spirits. And that's, that's dealing with the, a, a localized... There are different levels of spirits as you know, we've gone through some of, these, some of these studies. So the exorcism ones are usually in an, in an individual. They can be an evil spirit, an unclean spirit, and Jesus dealt with them. As he in his ministry, and then he had his disciples to go out and do the same thing to exercise not not like work out but get rid of the the demonic beings that were around those are individual when we get, and this is level three, you go back to level two and we 're dealing with another group of beings who have rebelled against the against the Lord, but they 're in a different level. So when Paul is saying our battle is not against flesh and blood, we're dealing with principalities and powers, authorities that are uh, from the dark forces, the evil spirits, the demon ones, that's a low level. So when we're talking about the, the exorcism level, that's, that's, that's not really a huge... I mean, it's still miraculous. It's still power. God proving his power over them. The next level up at two 
those are forces that are over an area, over a region, and they're having influence on the on the government, the way people are thinking, the way people are manipulated, and and those those controls. That's where some of the in the ancient days they would build those temples towards toward a or for a particular god. That's more they're seeing that small g god at that level. Back at one, when we're dealing with the devil and dark powers, and I put the devil as, as representative of the big, big picture, big umbrella, and God says he's dealing with that in Revelation. So we've got the major powers, the major dark powers, who have nations, and they have rebelled, and they are after as many people, all of them are after as many people as they can get to get derailed and to be able to destroy them. And people buy it. They listen to their lies and, man, that's, that's fantastic. We think we'll go that way. And God shows up and says, let me show you. They don't have all the power they think they do. And they, are, they pretend to be the light, but they're not the light. And he shows them another way. But these different levels exist, and God is going to address them as, as we go along. And so part of the miracle... It, for for us in in our time is dealing with dealing with those evil spirits at the local level. Maybe an individual, maybe somebody in family, somebody in a in a area, you know, around this area, around Mays County. Just th- that would be part of it. God comes along and and gets rid of those those spirits. Divine encounters. Uh, that's the angelic, and there would be higher level of that as well divine encounters uh, angels showing up angels helping angels and sometimes as we're told in hebrews we we're meeting angels and we don't even know it they have they're in human form there's no uh extra glowing and there's no you know none, none of the seraphim and cherubim wings none none of that they're just they're just uh assisting and helping and maybe you're stuck on the side of a road and they come by and you know suddenly your car runs or they pick up the car and change the tire and you just go that was cool and you turn around and they're gone and it's an angelic encounter divine encounters so god will send you know sometimes angels will come in those situations uh level four so Miracle level, so that would be M4. I just thought, you know, M1, M2, M3, M4. So they're M4. Circumstances, echoes, timing, finances. And, and what we're doing is closer we get to five is closer to a natural, it just, it's a natural process, something you could expect, but this is really helped by a supernatural, a touch of God. So you can see it, but... You know, creation is like, ain't nobody touching that one. It there is no natural till that creation happens. So those that's that level. Now we go further. We go down further. We get closer to some natural, closer to normal stuff that we're used to. So for at circumstances, there has to be in order for circumstances to line up. And different things, and it can happen in the church. It can happen in our lives, but this happens historically. So, if you just back up a bit and you go, okay, so how did Jesus 
show up? How did how did that work out? I mean, we're excited at Christmas time to think that God cared enough about us to send His Son. His Son is born as a baby. Okay, look at the circumstances that go with that as well. So if you back up and you look at how did he organize that? Because we're told in Genesis 3, he's sending help. So from Genesis 3 all the way through the scriptures, we have this alignment that is coming into play. So by Genesis 12, he tells, he tells Abram, uh, I'm going to bless the whole world through, your, through you, through your progeny. Whoa. Through your seed, we're told. So we've got this whole line of, of people. And then we have, uh, we're told one of the 12 kids of Jacob is going, Judah. Let's pick Judah. This, this is going to come out of Judah. So what are, the, what are the odds that this baby that we find out about and celebrate at Christmas time has been talked about from all that time back and God is shooting this target not at one mile or two miles, but over centuries and he nails it with all the possibilities of the people who come and go, the, the mom and dads who are involved in all of this, and land on that day. And the prophets say, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Well, the parents don't live in Bethlehem, they live in Nazareth. So Mary's now got a visit from, a, from Gabriel, the angel, and she's going to be having this son. And they get married. And I mean, there's this whole thing that's unfolding here. And Caesar, the Romans, have now taken over Israel. So it's not an independent nation. It's not operating under the Maccabees. It's not under Egyptian control. It is under Roman control. And Caesar says, you know what? This would be years beforehand because he's got to have time to get the word out to everybody because they don't have email. He has to send out troops, pass messages through his lines to take a census and count everybody that's in the Roman Empire so he can tax them. So we are given that information in Luke. Luke chapter 2, we're told that Caesar Augustus decided to take a census. While Quirinius was governor of Syria, we're given the specifics of when and where and who. And you go, wow. And at that time, Mary and Joseph make the trip down to Bethlehem, hometown, because that's where you sign up for the census. See the circumstances? How do, you organize, how do you organize those circumstances to land at that place at exactly the time that kid that was promised back in Genesis chapter 3 is born? It's a miracle. That's a miracle that the Son of God came. I, yeah, but I'm looking at the circumstances. They look into the sky, and everything that they're looking at when they look up they can see the virgin clothed by the sun and the elements of what happened when they look into the sky. It's in Revelation 12, but you can look into the sky and see the story is being told, being, being played out right there 
Because God organized all of that to come into play so that the planets, the sun, the earth would be exactly where it needed to be. When that moment happened, when Caesar Augustus said, take a census, and Jesus moves into Bethlehem and is born. What are the chances? Because God is operating through circumstances. Why are certain countries lined up against other countries? Why are they doing that today? Because there's something going on, and God is at work. It's miraculous. And he's doing it in our individual lives. It's it's individual, it's family, it's churches, it's countries. He is at work in circumstances in wider ways. There are echoes, echoes of God. Sometimes you're thinking about something, maybe you're praying about something, you're just searching God and you're in the scriptures and you're trying to find an answer. Lord, I just don't know what to think here. And you turn on the radio or a tape or something in your car and bam, the song that comes on, the words from the DJ, it's exactly the answer you were looking for. And what's weird is, then you get in the elevator at the doctor's office and you're going up the elevator and that song comes on again. Wow, that just reminded me of the car, the thing in the, because I didn't get the first time. I just heard it again. And then you go to lunch with a friend and they go, you know, that song just stands out. I've just been thinking about that. I couldn't get it off my mind. And they give you those words again. And you go, what is going on? This is just weird, which is how we normally, that's just weird. You know, what are the chances? Something like that. I'll just move on. It's echoes. God is speaking. He's communicating. He's giving glimpses in all kinds of areas. He does that with historical things, archaeological things. He does it through books and speakers and weird things like songs on the radio. Echoes. They show up. Timing, uh, kind of timing we kind of covered. And finances. We've talked about some of the miraculous things. We probably want more of that one. The finances are, are at times, God, God has just laid it on people to trust Him, not pursue certain things. Just trust Him to bring in exactly what they need to be taken care of. And He, and he does it. And He's done that. Uh, we talked about George Mueller and, and Hudson Taylor, and, and missionaries have done, done similar things. And God just says, I just want you to trust me on this. And he provides the finances in, in a miraculous way without them sending out flyers or getting on TV, making appeals. It just, God, they just, it just, you know, you just pray. You turn to the Lord and you rely on him and he brings it in. So it's a, a miraculous way to see that happen as well. And number five, M5, conception, birth, survival. Uh, conception happens, we know, or we wouldn't be here or no one else. But conception happens at times when it's hard for someone to conceive. And they can go through all kinds of medical treatment. They can go through all kinds of just hard times. Some, and back in the day, they just pray and ask God to, to come through. And so we've... Uh, God does that. I mean, he uses conception and, and bringing these things about at particular times to prove who he is. So if God wanted to bring in a, in a world that was rebelling, the, the angelic being or the, the 
this, these high-level B'nai Elohim, the small g gods, have rebelled against God, and they've got nations of people around the world, and he says, how can I win them back? Because God loves the world, and he wants his people back. and He wants to have them in his family. How can I, how can I do that? And the obvious choice is to have some people who believe in him and have them have children, because that's how he started out with Adam and Eve. You guys multiply and fill the earth with children, be my family, and they'd follow, come along with me. So he presents that, puts it out there, and he chooses, end of Genesis chapter 11 and then into 12, Abram and Sarai, and she can't have children. You go, obviously, that's a good choice. You're going to start this whole nation with somebody who can't have children. So they go through trying to make this happen themselves, and that's the story. Except that when she's 90 and he's 100, God says, now. And she has a baby. It's a miracle. So the whole thing with the people of Israel, the Hebrews, is that's a miracle that they exist at all. Because God chose a barren woman to make that happen. Why? Because he's all into miracles. And he does that still. At times, he, just, he works through people. And he says, well, that's just impossible. Exactly. That's what he does. Is it more natural? I mean, just, well, it could have happened, you know, maybe just by accident, some, some strange thing, conception. Yeah, but this one's a miracle. Birth. Yeah, there are times a lot of people lose babies, and he brings, he'll bring a baby full term, and then that baby grows up, and you go, man, back in the day, they would bury five or six before they got to the live ones. But look at what he has done in bringing about birth, and he chooses this one, and uh, Jacob, and I mean, you just, you just look, read through the genealogy of Genesis, and you're going, wow, this is a... It's just incredible how he brought these things about. So some of the conception, some of the birth, some of the things we may experience even in a, in a church may reflect that as well as God is working out his plan. Survival is another one. If you're in a car wreck and you go, man, that, that semi drove over the top of me and it's just a miracle I'm here. I mean, people throw that out all the time. Even when they just have a baby, if, you know, we use that low, talk about low-level miracle. They, they conceive, no problem. They have a baby, no problem. But when they see that baby, they go, this is a miracle. Look at those little fingers. Look at those little toes. And you go, yeah, it, yeah. It's, you know, I still credit that. That's cool. It's not this, but it's certainly on a level of way up there. But survival similar. Wow, I made it through. I, I, the house burned down, and I was okay. The car flipped over, and I was okay. The, you know, what, whatever these things are, and if we come out of it, I'm the only one who came out of that, so that survival is a miracle, and we give it credit for that. And it's remarkable. All, of the, all things just lined up, and it, and it happened, and sometimes it's just good luck that we came through those things. And that, and that can just happen. That's in the natural. And then there are times when you go, well, that guy was dead for 90 minutes. And the EMTs had already 
covered him up with a blanket and they weren't rushing him to the hospital because it, it was done. And then he comes back to life. Okay, that, that's kind of different. One guy was hit. He was in, in California. One of the tall overpass bridges got hit. And it was in a car accident. Car goes over and starts going down. And he said, I, I knew I could see down below. I don't know if I five. He's, he's in L.A., so it's I-5 or... 405 where anyway he's looking down and he's coming from the top one and he's he's going oh this isn't going to be good because he's seeing the traffic so it's not only that he he was more worried about well once i hit down there all those cars are going to run into me so that's kind of what he said he was going through his head but then his car just went back up and set on back up where it was what in the world well he's in the car so he can't see what's going on but the people who were standing around out there where all these cars are and run into each other, they're going, dude, a hand reached out and pulled you back up, up on the overpass. Yeah, things like that just happen. Just, you know, no, that's miraculous. So it's survival because of God intervened in some way to get, get that, to make that happen. So let's look at some examples. So that's M1 to M5, different variety, different levels. Uh, Paul meets the resurrected Jesus. This is Acts 9, 3 through 5. He, he is going to Damascus to destroy the Christians on the way. Jesus, who has been killed on the cross, buried, is now alive. Paul doesn't think so. He is in agreement with the rest of the leadership, the Jewish leadership. And we need to stop these lies about Jesus being alive. Let's just stop the Christians now before this thing gets any worse. That's when Jesus shows up, talks to him on that road. And Paul says, oh, you are alive. Oops. That's a miracle. He's just had a divine encounter with the Son of God. That, that qualifies. Peter and John, this is Acts 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. Peter and John are rescued by an angel from jail. They are arrested, put in the public jail. We're told an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, brought them out, then told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So keep doing what you were doing that got you in here in the first place. Just go back and do that. So they do. And they get thrown in again. Stuff keeps happening. Spiritual travel. This one's from Acts, the book of Acts as well, chapter 8. Here... This is, this is um, Philip. He's been involved in a huge uh, spiritual awakening, and he has seen lots of people come to the Lord. He's, he's seen signs and wonders come from his ministry, miracles that are happening there. And then the Lord comes to him and says, I want you to go talk to this Ethiopian eunuch, just this one guy, go, to, go down and talk to him. He's on the desert road, just on his way back down to Africa. Go see him. So he does. And the uh, eunuch was traveling, and he's reading Isaiah 53. So he has a scroll. He doesn't understand what he's reading. Philip explains it to him. And then he tells him about Jesus. So the eunuch, who happens to be high-ranking royalty official for Ethiopia is now like, wow, Jesus really is who he said he was. So he says, yeah, I want to follow him. They decide, they saw some water, probably a little creek, because we're talking desert. 
how about I get baptized? Philip takes him down there, baptizes him. Then the Spirit of the Lord, we're told, uh, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Philip is taken by the Spirit to Azotus. So in a heartbeat, the, the eunuch is like talking to him and just got baptized, and then Philip's gone. So you know, in a desert, it's, it's really easy to lose people because of all the vegetation. You know, they just walk away and, no, he's gone because his spirit moved him. Teleportation, so he's, he's in another place, goes to another town, keeps doing some other ministry out there. So we've got some miracles going on. Then we need to know the difference between providence and miracles. So providence versus miracles. There is a difference in these. And providence is God's general care over the world, over creation, all of it, taking care of the animals, taking care of the marine life, taking care of the birds of the air, taking care of us. He's going to provide uh, rain. He's going to provide soil. He's going to provide sun, and things will grow, and then we have something to eat, and he's going to provide energy so that we can live in this world doesn't mean that everybody's going to get this on an equal basis, but God's providential care is is over it all in a general way, just keeping it all moving. Miracles are special intervention. That's going to break whatever the general or the normal pattern of things are. He's going to intervene. He's going to send a divine, a divine help. He's going to counter what would normally be the rules whatever we know about those things. So the miraculous will enter in and change things up. Let me give you this definition from Wayne Grudem from his systematic theology, theological definition of a miracle. A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. So he's going to do something special. He's going to make something happen that really grabs people's attention. And may, again, it could be an individual. It could be a family. It could be a church. It could be a nation. It just, he's just going to prove himself to be God. I found that to be lacking something. So I revised it. I really like Wayne Grudem, so I'm not picking on this guy. And I really like his systematic theology, which is like really close to my desk. But let me give you this one, the revised version. A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's and angels' awe and wonder, shames spiritual rulers, and bears witness to himself. There's a difference. One of the aspects of theology that, from my perspective, is missing is we are a pseudo-spiritual Christian group, just generally. We have left the cosmic realities out of most of our theology, most of our thinking about God and how Christianity works because we are so self-absorbed that it's Christianity applies to me 
and my group, my sin, their sin, our place in heaven. That's pretty much it. And God in heaven is going, what? There's this huge thing unfolding. There are more beings in existence than you can shake a stick at if you're from the south. So, what's he trying to do? He's trying to show that to the angelic beings the good that he's doing and the promises kept, as well as the human beings. But he's also dealing with the dark forces who have rebelled against him and the rebellious humans and saying, you thought I didn't know or didn't, couldn't do anything. You thought I was powerless, impotent, or just don't exist. Well, let me show you otherwise. And he does. So that this tendency to be anti-supernatural, and, and, and yet we're talking about spiritual reality of there's a God in heaven, sends his son, saves us from our sin, but that's it. And the devil's kind of a problem. Yeah, that's kind of it. It's huge. The nations are at each other's throats because they are being manipulated by beings that are behind it. And you go, all you have to do is look at the news a little bit and you say, why would this guy take a knife and carve up his mother? And you talk to him later when they interview him, he goes, I don't know, we were getting along fine just having some fudge brownies. And I just thought, you know, there's a knife there in the kitchen cabinet. Where does that thought come from? Why would that happen? Why would it happen? Why would the mother take all five of her children and drown them? She loved them to pieces. She protected them all the time. What happened? Well, there's mental illness, sure. That widespread? Is it in the water? Something else is going on. Why would you decide I need to take over that country because, you know, ours isn't big enough? If you're Russia. Huh. But there's nothing to this. Paul says, put on your armor. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, powers, and authorities. From those realms that are influencing our world and making a difference. So some of them are the evil spirit low level. There's others above that in regions. Then there are some that are taking on nations and doing moving things around. The miracle of the cross. Colossians 2, 14 to 15. He canceled the record. This is God. Canceled the record of the charges against us, human beings, took it away by nailing it to the cross. Christ is on that cross. And this way... He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, wait a minute. The whole cross thing is just about getting me into heaven, getting my sins forgiven, getting me into, well, what is that talking about? He crushed the spiritual powers with the cross because there's so much more going on here. And he says, be part of it, put on your... Armor every day, gear up, get in the fight, because this is the real thing. What's one aspect that we need to have in the midst of this? What's part of that? The gift of miracles. There are times when the miracles need to be part of it to show that he is doing something to counter the darkness and bring the light. 
part of the process. So instructions for working miracles. Seven of these. One, God-centered. Christ-honored. Number three, spirit-empowered. Now those things are there. I'm, I'm sharing these with you because there's a tendency to think, oh, if it's miraculous, and I need to do a sideshow, or I need to be in you know, center stage. I need to be the guy with spotlights on me because I'm doing the miracles. And I could pull these miracles out whenever I want to. No, the Holy Spirit can pull out miracles whenever he wants to. Anybody who's doing something else on command, that's coming from another source. So watch out, because they have power too, and it looks like the same thing. It is not the same thing. So this will be God-centered first. It's going to honor Christ, and however this is going to work out, it's going to promote the church, his purposes, all that's going to be part of it. Spirit-empowered, not some other divine being. Love-extended, because God's looking at ways to love his people and love those around us, around the world. Faith-practiced. It's going to involve people believing God, trusting him, or as a result of the miracle, coming to faith, and trusting him. So it's all going to be part of this process. Satan's going to be defeated or any of the other principalities, powers, authorities of the dark realm. Satan defeated and awe achieved. There's going to be this sense of God did that. That's a God thing. I mean, we throw that out a lot as Christianese because things aligned or worked out or the, the tire didn't go totally flat, or what? That's a, just, it's a God thing. Well, this is a, what I'm talking about is God thing. Things that fit into the M1 to M5 level of reality, and, and God in this cosmic battle is revealing himself in some way. And you come away from him, and that's amazing. That, that just, wow, I can't explain that any other way. What to do about the gift of miracles? Acknowledge the gift and appreciate that some people have that gift. Don't be jealous of them. Don't, don't, you don't have to put them on a pedestal. Just appreciate that that gift can be something that's around. And it would be really cool. Bring it on. Allow the Spirit to determine who, when, and where the gift is applied. So there's not... Uh, the individual saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, you know, 7 o'clock Wednesday, buddy, be here, because we're going to do a miracle service. No, you're not. Somebody else might be. You're not. And is God doing it? Uh, I'm thinking probably not, because he doesn't operate on your 7 o'clock Wednesday schedule. He's divine. He may show up. Doesn't mean he won't. But you're not in control of that. So, hush. Anyway, appreciate the gift that may manifest in anyone in the church. He doesn't say certain ones. The ones over six feet get to do it. He doesn't, no. He'll choose whoever he wants to. Young, old, male, female, slave, free. We don't have as many slaves these days, but that's a list from Scripture. (laughs) So, could be any of them, anybody. It's pretty awesome. So what do we do about that? Well, we just let them, let them do it. 
but we need to be aware that he can do it. So one of the reasons we're not experiencing, I haven't gotten into why we're not seeing some of this, but part of it is we don't expect it. We don't think he's going to show up. And when he does, we ridicule the person or the event often. So the chance of him going, well, I think I'll do that again. No, I think I'll move over to some people who believe, who are seeking me, who desire to know more about me. I think I'll do that with them. And then, lo and behold, wild, miraculous things happen. And all we have to do is ask him. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is saying. Desire. Ask. Come into his presence. Open our hearts up. Look for him to do miraculous, amazing things. Because he's doing it. Often he's doing it and we just don't give it credit. So that's why I also went through the M1 through M5. Just in case you've had some of those and you didn't acknowledge it, now you can look back and go, wow, I have seen that. Cool. Tell somebody. Let them know. That was an awe-inspiring moment. And God did miracles. So that's what's going on with the spiritual gift of miracles. Quickly. In a Sunday morning. How about that? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for doing the miraculous. Thank you for being so powerful and wise and using these things exactly as they need to, uh, at the moment they need to come about, with the people they need to, to work through. Thank you for the things that you've done already in our lives that have maintained us through your providence, but also through your miracles that... Maybe we didn't catch. So if you don't mind, uh, bring those things to mind. Just take us back in our own history. If we miss something, that we might acknowledge them, give you thanks for them, and look forward to the things that you're going to do in the future. And we give you our praise, our thanks now in the name of Jesus. Amen.